Welcome back, guys. Thank you for sticking around. I am joined by none other than the professional Bitcoin hype man himself, Lord Eric Norris. How are you doing, good sir? Uh, doing well, doing well. I am uh, so excited to be here. Uh, thank you for, for bringing me on. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I think it's uh, a worth a worthy story to share our interactions. I'll share it from my perspective because Lord knows you don't remember any of this. Uh, I came across you on Bitcoin Twitter years ago, uh, just being the troll that you were. And I will admit like the first couple of one of your posts, I was like, this fucking guy, this guy again. And the one that sealed the deal where I was like, I have to be the troll that trolls you was when you commented something saying about how it should be a pro tip for all parents to name your kids something simple. And I'm sitting here with a name like Q, God help you if you could actually pronounce my real Farsi name. And I'm like, this fucking white boy. Yeah. This guy, this guy's not going to make it. Yeah. Uh, but lo and behold, man, you crack me up all the time. We have a lot of fun uh, just sort of chatting and, and having a, uh, doing our own thing on the Twitter sphere. But I wanted to pull you into real life, A, to make sure you're a real living person and yeah. I'm not just having conversations with a bot. So right. that box has been checked. Um, but secondly, I wanted to just talk to you about Bitcoin. Like you yeah. are one of the biggest hype men out there uh, as far as a pleb goes. And let's start from just sort of how you came across Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, you know, we talked before, it wasn't a very, uh, you know, I don't have a glorious story where, you know, I'm like living on Bitcoin Island and building that, you know, billion dollar empire with, uh, with you know, with all the amenities. But, you know, I got into it really early. I mean, Bitcoin was was under $100 and I was exposed to it through a friend who was a developer and um, had the opportunity to really at this point, right, to, to buy it a whole lot for a lot for, for very little. And uh, anyways, getting through it and, you know, it's like all the skepticism that we, I think we all come across with it, right? Whether it's if it was 13 years ago or if it was today. Of, you know, hey, look, I'm, I'm literally going to transfer money out of my bank account and I'm going to have some digits on an Internet browser. Right. Like at the, at the, in the earliest stages, like that's what it was. We're like, we don't really know. I mean, my concept of inflation and the economy was zero. You know, I, I you know, I've got a couple hours in college. So, you know, I was like, you know, I'm not very educated in this. And uh, but I think it's like it's cool. Like it's, it seems really cool. Like this is money and I could buy things with. And then you've got, you know, the, from the early days there was FUD, right? It was like day one Bitcoin comes out. It's like dark web, drug dealers, you know, like we're exporting cocaine now thanks to Bitcoin, right? And um, as, you know, and then the next clip is you've got guys crossing the Mexican border with like book bags of cash. And you're like, wait a second. Like, I think this has been going on for quite a while. Um, this is just another, uh, a different means. So um, no, you know, so I got into it really early, but then like the, <laughs> Where the story goes gets really ugly is, you know, I transitioned into, I started seeing, right, crazy percentage increases. Then you enter shit coins and you're like, oh my God, like you're sitting here and, and somebody just, you know, back then it was like, you could, a, a plug could tweet about anything and it would go up a thousand percent, like anything. And so you're seeing these massive gains up and down and you're like, okay. And my simple brain is like, if I put a thousand dollars in that, I would have made 10 grand overnight. Well, you know, I would have woke up to that. And so you get in that hype and that feel. So transition out, right? I'm like, all right, man, this, this shit coin is the way to go. 
I'm getting into this. And it was like, I'll never forget, like every night going to bed with like bloodshot eyes looking at charts and, you know, you're like, geez, this is, this is the right way to enter and all those things. Right. So yeah, I got in there and talk about like, when we talk about rug pulls, like it was, I was living the high. Uh, I think I shared the story with you, Keeler, was like, you know, New Year's Eve, champagne bottle in hands, right? You know, an extra button unbuttoned, you know, you're letting it, you're letting it go. You're letting it flow. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for wearing a shirt today, by the way, as well. You know, I, I know that's a challenge, but. Man, in Mexico, shirts are optional. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you're going, you're going, and you're like, you're, you're looking at your portfolio on your phone, right? And you're like, oh my God, yes, pump, pump, pump. And, um, man, and then rug pull hits, right? And you're like, boom, Bitcoin dips, shit coins start crashing. And it's like the first kind of shit coin crash. And you're just watching. And then like you get on Twitter, you've got a group that's like diamond nuts, diamond nuts, hold. And all the memes, hold the line, hold the line. And I'm like, you know, a Braveheart fan. And I'm like, I'm going to hold. Like, you can't take me down. And as you, you're sitting there and your ego and you're holding and you don't even know what you're holding. Like there's coins that I, that I had lots of money in that I couldn't even really tell you what they did, but it seemed like a great idea. Right. And I think, and I share this because yeah, it's not glorious. Like I had to start from the bottom again. And I went through several years of like, screw all this. Like, look, I've got a real life. I've got a real job. Like I'm not, you know, trying to figure out what yacht I'm buying today. Like I'm a real human being with a, you know, with, with, with a job. So I was like, you know, I'm going back to that. This is all noise. I lost everything, like forget it all. But um, I think I, I, you know, I share it because I think it's important because I think there's a lot of people that come in this space, right. And they don't know what they want, right. They don't, it's uh, you know, Hey, am I, am I here to make what, to make money, make wealth? Do I have wealth? Am I looking for a place to put it? And you know, these conversations are, they're real. I mean, I think in a lot of times we in the Bitcoin world and environment, we get so caught up in these like super high level conversations, right? Of like what countries are going to most important to have the highest hash rate, right? What are we doing as far as like, you know, from transactions and how are we moving this money? And then you got a guy like my neighbor who's like, so tell me like, how do you spell Bitcoin? I don't even know. Like who's the CEO, right? Like you have all these little questions and so I think it's, you know, I share this because like we come back to this world of not a lot of people know what they're doing, how they want to get involved, what they're using it for. You know, people come to me and they're like, Eric, you know, I, you know, I see you talking a lot about it. You know, is it a currency? Is it an asset? You know, and then it's like, what rabbit hole do you go down? How do you have these real conversations when you orange pill folks? Like what's, what's really important? Um, you know, and then it's like on the other side of that, like you talk to, you know, a lot of Bitcoin maximalists, right? And it's like, okay, well, where are you pushing? Like, I know it's like, you, you, you know, you, you want to you stand on the pillar of like, you're buying this and holding it for the rest of the world. But then on the other side of your, you know, you're like, well, like lightning network, we can transact with it and everything. And it's like, well, what is it? And then so you have these guys that are coming to the space and they're like, dude, I'm completely lost. Like, it seems like it does everything and it fixes everything, right? It, we joke about that, but and, and it does. But how do we get that mindset going? How do we get down the rabbit hole? And at the same time, how do we not like scare somebody? Right. Because it could be the scariest conversation to somebody who's like, hey, my whole life, like my family immigrated from Cuba. Right. And it's, so it's like when they came here, the American dream, work nine to five, spend as much, you know, or you know, save as much money as you can. And hopefully come 65 years old, you know, you're going to have enough to, to chill out. Right. So that's hey, my. It, my no, I mean, look, your your story. And I when we uh, had our conversation, I, I said I, I wanted you to share it because I think it is very important. 
um, not only from the lens of don't get involved with the shit coins, but also from the lens of understanding what you are investing in, what the end goal is for you, and really calculating what your risk tolerance is. Um, you are young enough to be able to recover, pick it right yeah. back up and, and like go in. Someone who is at the tail end of their careers doing this maybe is not able to take that risk. Maybe they have a mortgage or some kids in college. I'd love for you to define what is the difference between Bitcoin and crypto? Yeah. Oh, that's the big, that's a big question. You put me on the spot. Um, yeah. You know, and that is, uh, I think that's the biggest challenge for a Bitcoin maximalist, right? For somebody who's trying to focus on Bitcoin, right? I mean, you see it every day. A politician's like, they're talking about Bitcoin and they mentioned crypto. And so you've got some nomenclature there that's like, you know, yeah, we're confusing the two because we just don't know. Um, but I think really you just have to look at Bitcoin when you separate that from crypto. It's the foundation of everything, right? Like there's real world utility cases and of shit coins that are, you know, they're coming out and they're, they're doing really cool things and there's spinoffs of that. But when you look at, when you look, this all hinges on Bitcoin. Like that's, that's, you can't argue that, especially from, from a value standpoint, from price, you put a number on it, you know, Bitcoin goes down, everything else goes down and it goes up. It's like, you know, uh, rising tide lifts all ships kind of thing. So, you know, I think really you, it goes back to, it's so hard to, it's so hard to answer that because that's what I, that's what I'm faced with when you're orange pilling folks, right? They're like, tell me what's your version of Bitcoin. It's like, well, what are you looking for? Right. It's, it's, you know, Hey, is this, are you looking for something to transact around the world? Are you looking to something to store your wealth in? Are you trying to make money? Which that's, you know, then you start separating, are you an investor? Are you a gambler? I don't know. I mean, if you're, if you're looking to gamble, you're looking to make a quick buck. I think that's maybe the definition of like crypto, right? Like, hey, I'm going to try to get in here. Hey, I'm starting a business. It's going to be based on this shit coin. I hate to keep saying that because I think there's legitimate companies out there. But, um, you know, hey, we're, we're going to build this around this ecosystem and have this. But again, it's all correlated and it's all based on Bitcoin, right? And so the, those that are focused, those, those maximalists out there that are, you know, are not toxic and are focused on are needed, right? Like we need those people. We need, to, we need the Bitcoin magazine. We need, we need to to keep the focus on that. And, and of course there's folks out there again, that are going to be building real world cases off of that around the world and saying how we can do this better um, based on this. So, yeah, I don't know. That's, it's a, it's a good question. You, you also, uh, you bring up an excellent point too, where it's about the, well, Bitcoin essentially has fed into all of these other coins and uh, just what, just now when we were talking to Stefan Levera, we even discussed the fact that there were failed technologies and failed attempts to create something akin to Bitcoin. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. If you could change the name and everyone immediately accepts it overnight, what would you actually call Bitcoin or would you leave it Bitcoin? Yeah, it's, it's so funny you say that because it's, uh, I think of uh, from like a marketing standpoint, like I had some friends that were doing Iron Man and like they, they got the tattoo of Iron Man on the back of their legs and calves. And then like the ch- and then they changed the logo and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, they get bought out and I'm like, they're going to modify the logo. And I'm like, bro, bad idea. Like, you know, now you get like a vintage tattoo um, rebranding. So anytime you think about like, and I do, I think about that Bitcoin, like just, you know, we, we, we do some different merch stuff and everything. And, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, could it, can the Bitcoin logo be the same logo for like, is that like forever? Like in how I, I've thought about often at times, like, could I be the person that changes the logo? Like we've got like, you know, like the B, right. Can I, can I change that? Can I, can I change color? I don't know. Like, is that, are we stuck with this? 
Yo, that's so valid. I was trying to rhyme orange pill for the last hour. Yeah. And let me tell you, it's really hard to <laughs> rhyme orange pill with anything other than orange peel. Fair enough. I'm, I'm not opposed to a new color. It would make my rhymes a little bit easier. Yeah. Um, um, should, go. Yeah, no. So, I mean, I think, I don't know. Like, if I, were, if I had to rename it, it would be, I think, the biggest, the biggest punchline uh, for, for Bitcoin is freedom money, right? And I think that's, at the end of the day, you take all the use cases, you take everything that we know, right? If people that have been in the space for some time and, and, and listen to all of your podcasts, 48 of them, right? 40, is this 40? This is 48. This is episode yeah. 48. Four, so, all right. So 47 pending and then in 48, uh, you know, have listened to all of them and been educated uh, and guided in the proper ways as you have to, you know, I think, I think it's freedom, right? Like it's freedom from everything. Like we talk about becoming a sovereign individual. So, I mean, yeah, let's call it freedom money. If I were to rename Bitcoin, let's just call it freedom money. Boom. FM. Boom. I, I dig it. I dig it. Um, I do want to, uh, you are obviously in, in Florida. Um, we are obviously going to be in Florida in just 30 days. I'm not going to shut up about this guys. It's 30 days away. The conference, like we are so excited over here. Lord Norris might actually make an appearance TBD where, uh, it's an 11th hour final reveal kind of situation. This is a big time guest. So you guys have to put some respect on his name. Um, what, Use code YTMAG, get 10% off. If you feel like being cheap, buy it with a Bitcoin. Fine. I'll take your Bitcoin from you. Uh, you'll get 33% off. Uh, what are you most excited for out of the Bitcoin conference, Eric? Yeah, I am really excited. And I was listening to uh, Stefan a little bit earlier as well. And I think there's so much opportunity there for folks that are just coming, trying to get in the space as well, which I'll touch on a little bit. But, um, you know, I think it's, uh, I've had the opportunity to go into different events and different conferences and just you know, anytime you can get around um, and meet people in real life that are of the, of the same mind. And it's what I love about, and again, kind of like talking about, you know, with Stefan is, you know, when you, when you went into the political space, this divides our country and our society in so many ways instantly, right? It's like, hey, I meet you, I'm going to put you in a box. And that's my goal as like a human naturally, right? In this world, I'm going to put you in a box so I can either shut you out or either can jump in the box with you and we can be friends, right? And so, it's a whole different mindset when you come into a Bitcoin conference, folks from all different parts of the aisle, center, left, right, doesn't matter. And we all have this like this mindset of what we like see our future as and what we want. And it all aligns and it's beautiful. And it's like, holy cow, man, I can have a beer with all you guys. And we, you know, it's like we can talk real things and talk about the future. We're not talking about the past. We're not talking about what's being blasted in our feeds by, you know, uh, media and, and everything like that. So it becomes really powerful. So, you know, last time I was in Miami a few months ago uh, through Art Basel and, you know, I was able to, to meet some really, really cool people. I actually just tweeted a photo like Mark Moss, uh, just super big brain guys that you get around. And I just, I said, I, said, I tweeted on, I was like, I just feel so dumb walking away from them. I'm like, man, why am I not as educated as this guy on the world outside of what, how we know it and see it? And um, so, yeah, I think really those just, meeting these guys and the, um, having the conversations with them is just so powerful. And, and again, being around, being in a room with, with like-minded folks is, is, uh, is huge. Um, but I'll tell you what I've done. I've been in sales my whole life and I've been to a million conferences and like, I, I wish I was at the end of that of Stefan's chat because like what he talked about and what you guys were both discussing when it comes to how do we, how do you get involved and you want to get a job, you want to get in the space and different things. 
Like I would drop a gold nugget on anybody. Like if you wanted to go work at Gemini, I would go right now. And then they had a job, you know, there's a posted opportunity. I would go on LinkedIn. I know LinkedIn, whatever, but go find their marketing team and send them all a message and say, Hey, listen, I'm going to be in Miami. I know setting up your booth and everything is chaos. I want to volunteer and help you out. And boom. And let me tell you, you go there and you show up and help them for two hours, three hours, bring them some waters and ask for nothing in return. That's going to, that's going to, that's going to go crazy. You can either be that guy who goes to volunteer or our woman go and volunteer with them. Or you can be the person that shows up on industry day or whatever and walk up to their booth and say, Hey, hi, I'd like a job. I just showed up here. Like, and, and can I have a pen and a coaster? Um, so you could be that person. There's going to be 10,000 of those, or you could be the, you know, or it even shows up. Now you're going to have beers with them and, and celebrate setting up the booth. So little gold nugget for you. I won't free of charge. Damn it. I messaged you a year ago offering to buy you a drink in Miami when I came down and you weren't there because you were too busy doing whatever on your yacht. That yeah. would have been so helpful for me a year ago. We, we, ho- we hound you guys. Those yeah. of you who don't work in Bitcoin, this is the best opportunity to get a job and show face. Yeah. And that right there is an incredible play to get yourself in front of people. And you want your name recognized. That is the ultimate goal. Um, use code YTMAC to get 10% off for your Bitcoin uh, conference tickets. There will also be, this is, if any of our conference people are listening, I'm very sorry if I'm breaking the rules, but I'm making this announcement, but I think it warrants this. Uh, you can get a free tattoo. You can get the Bitcoin logo before Eric Norris changes it, tattooed anywhere on your body. So be sure it's going to be vintage. And so in like 20 years, it'll like pick up and it'll be all nostalgic. Like, oh, this is the OG Bitcoin uh, tattoo. So I just wanted to drop that little tidbit on the conversation of tattoos and the conference, but I'm going to pass the mic over to my co-host, Chris. Eric, pleasure to have you here. Uh, so I guess uh, I think you made a great point earlier in the show today where you're saying a lot of us, even especially at Bitcoin Magazine, well, specifically at Bitcoin Magazine, we really go down the rabbit hole of digging into these deeper topics for Bitcoin. Uh, I know you said you have a background in sales or you've done it in the past. How would you pitch to someone that's like, wait, is it Bitcoin? Is it Bitcoin? Is it, uh, you know, to, to the people that we're talking all this high level game theory, you know, El Salvador, Mexico, US, Russia, Ukraine, you know, people are, their heads are spinning. We're talking about global markets. We're talking about bonds selling off all these high level things that like, if you don't have a basis or understanding of Bitcoin, economics, engineering, you know, the gambit, the laundry list, even I can't keep up with all of it. How would you pitch to someone who has no understanding? Maybe they're an immigrant here, or maybe just doesn't have a good understanding of, of finances in general. How would you pitch to someone Bitcoin that this is their first time ever hearing about it? Yeah, no, great question. I think it goes it, it goes along with anything. And um, there's it's a I look at sales as a really simple way. And just to, and to answer your question, the easiest thing that we can do is you understand someone's present state, right? Where they're at today. Um, what does that look like? What does their life look like? And you present a future state, right? We all make decisions. You, Q, myself, we all make, we will make decisions today. And every decision we make today is because we think it's going to put us in a better future state, right? I am going to cook a steak after this and I'm going to have, you know, an espresso. And I made that decision because that is going to put me in a better place, right? Simple as that. 
sold. Um, so if you are a steak manufacturer, <laughs> I'm going to be your best friend. Uh, so we bring it back to Bitcoin, right? And so for me to orange pill somebody, I've got to present a better future state for them. Simple as that, right? The challenges that we talked about is that that future state is going to look like a lot of different ways for a lot of different people, right? Somebody may be more interested in it being in a, a, a currency, right? Hey, look, I'm in, I'm, I'm in Venezuela. And I just saw, I think Dan Held posted something, you know, it's, it's like 13 million Bolivars for a five pound chicken now. Like it's insane. Um, you walk the streets and there's just money everywhere. So a better future state for somebody there may be, hey, I need a better currency to transact it, right? And so, hey, let me create a better future state for you with Bitcoin and show you what that world looks like. And that may have been a terrible example. It just was top of mind. But um, yeah, so I think that's where, you know, hey, I, like I was, at, I was at a bar about a week ago and talking to this lady. Uh, I can't remember her name, but she was like 30 years Bank of America, legacy banker, financial, everything. And, um, you know, and I just I, I brought up, you know, hey, <laughs> what are your thoughts about of Bitcoin? Right. And it's like, oh, it's an initial knee jerk boomer reaction of like, you know, oh, you little kids like messing around with that Internet money. And, um, you know, but, you know, for her, somebody, you know, she's 60 years old been in banking her whole life, right? And we talk about the different phases of where we're at in life, right? What does the future state look for her, right? It's like, hey, you're, you know, that, that's going to look a lot different than Q who just turned 21 and, you know, is, you know, he's looking at, a, he's, he's looking at the next 60 years. She's looking at the next 15, 20 years. And so, hey, maybe it's access to your money. Like we talk about, like right now, the last, the last three, six months have been the best, you know, the Bitcoin marketing team has done a, a phenomenal job, Right by letting other people do the marketing for them. And um, so it, conversations now are easier than ever. Like for the longest time we talked about, I, you, you, look at, you look during COVID, right? It's like, we're talking about now inflation and the best hedge against inflation. That was probably the biggest talking point, correct me if I'm wrong, probably through COVID and Bitcoiners, right? And now it's like, oh, Ukraine just said you can only withdraw $3,300 of your money. Like you worked your whole life, you're wanting to get out and they're like, here's $3,300, I hope this, this fares you well, right? And uh, and we also, we thank you for the rest of your assets that we're going to keep here in our country, right? So now you're talking about access. We're talking now like freedom money, right? And um, and hey, now people are now being able to escape with their assets in Bitcoin and and it's a, and it's a beautiful world, right? So hey, that future state, right? So that's my long-winded answer of, um, you know, how do you sell it? Yeah, you got, you got to know who you're talking to, where they're at and, what, and what's attractive to them. What's that future state really look like? And then let's get them over there. Yeah. My fellow clubs, the Bitcoin conference is back. Bitcoin 2022, April 6th through the 9th is the ultimate pilgrimage for the Bitcoin ecosystem. The Bitcoin conference is the biggest event in all of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. We're leveling up and making this bigger and better than ever. I'm talking straight to the moon with the four day long festival in the heart of Miami at the Miami Beach Convention Center. This has something for everyone. Whether you are a high-powered Bitcoin entrepreneur, a core developer, or a Bitcoin newbie, Bitcoin 2022 is the ultimate place for you to be with your people and celebrate and learn about the Bitcoin culture. So make sure to go to b.tc forward slash conference to lock in your official tickets and use promo code Satoshi for 10% off. You want more off? Pay in Bitcoin and you'll receive $100 off general admission and $1,000 off whale pass. Those are stackable. So go to b.tc forward slash conference and attend the best conference in Bitcoin history.
Yeah, I, I think that's a great pitch. And even you can show both sides of the coin while the Ukrainians are using it to escape while they're being attacked, unfortunately, by the Russians. Uh, I mean, I would say, I mean, I'm just, you know, making up a statistic here, but like 99% of the Russians, you know, they're just normal average people. They didn't want to attack Ukrainians. You know, they had propaganda saying that they needed to be released or, you know, released from the fascist clutches. But now they're being cut off from SWIFT, MasterCard, Visa, Cash App, like the laundry list of companies that refuse to do business with them. And they're seeing their currency hyperinflate. I mean, I think it lost 50% of its purchasing power in the last two weeks. So it's definitely something that the Ukrainians can use to escape, you know, their country as they're getting attacked. And Russians can use to escape out of a system that's very authoritarian and dictatorship. Uh, There's actually a funny story. Actually, Q has never heard this story. Um, I was down at the TAB conference in Atlanta. So that was last uh, October, November of last year. And uh, there was a bunch of lawyers. So we were at the big like Atlanta Convention Center. So there's a bunch of lawyers at this random conference dressed to the nine suits, you know, nice Italian suits, whatever. And then you've got a bunch of Bitcoiners at the same convention hall because it's so big, dressed in hoodies and hats and, you know, sweatpants and whatever, looking the way like Jack Mallers in, in his uh, mom's closet. And they were kind of like looking at us, like glaring at us, obviously, you know, two very distinct groups. And later on at the bar, there's a bar like right across the street from the convention center. Anyway, we walk in, we're, we're, we're talking, you know, talking Bitcoin, trying to tip the waiters and waitresses in Bitcoin. And one of them overheard it. And, um, and they were like, oh, what are you guys doing here? Like they kind of said it condescendingly, like, oh, we're at the Bitcoin conference. So like, oh, how much was that conference? And I mean, it was a, it was a cheaper conference. It was like 300 to 500 bucks to go. So like, oh, well, our tickets were like $10,000, $15,000 to go to this like lawyer conference. And we're like, you'd waste that money. We would rather spend that money on Bitcoin. They're like, well, what's Bitcoin? And then like it got into this whole thing. And it was really funny watching a bunch of Bitcoiners like orange pill, all these high end lawyers, high net worth lawyers. We had multiple lawyers buying the Bitcoin standard on Amazon. We were watching them pull it up on their phone, go to Amazon and buy like the Bitcoin standard. A few of them were just like, screw you guys. We want nothing to do with you. But at least five lawyers we know either bought the Bitcoin standard or like the little Bitcoin, uh, little Bitcoin book. Uh, so it was just very funny seeing the contrast. And like you said, orange pilling people in different scenarios. So, you know, while someone may be a lawyer, someone may, may be an immigrant and, and a refugee, um, I guess, sorry for that long-winded response, but as you see in this ever-growing world of social media, whether it's TikTok, Snapchat, you know, Twitter, whatever, we kind of see that, like, we're trying to be trained either by the social media platforms to just, like, uh, consume information very rapidly and in not, you know, in any particular order, just very, very quickly. So as people are losing their attention spans, how would you pitch to someone that like, listen, this is a long game. This is more than four years. This is like 10 years, generations. This is like a retirement plan. How would you pitch that to someone that's like constantly being distracted by social media platforms, I guess would be my way of pitching it. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. It's, um, I, I think it's tough when you don't have people that are looking at it. Right. So I, first step is identifying that they're looking at long-term. Right. And I wasn't in that boat. I think, in, you know, if I were to look past, like if you were to ask me like and say, you know, what was one thing you regret? It's like not really looking financially like towards the in the long run, in the long game like that. Right. And like, OK, you know, hey, I'm making this money if I put this much aside and what is it going to grow and, and where I'm where I'm going to be. And um, I mean, I think the biggest thing is like what was really powerful, powerful for me is meeting the Swan guys. And they, I, I watched the presentation with them and talking about, you know, the average currencies around the world and how they lasted. Right. It was really eye opening for me. And they talk about, you know, the average currency around the world, you know, lasting 40, 50 years on average. And they're going through that and like seeing that, oh, well, this is actually, this is fact. 
And, um, you know, going through that and you're like, for me, it was like, wow, um, a lot of things could really happen here in the next, next five, 10 years, not like really being a fear monger, but, um, but nonetheless, I think it's opening, opening everyone's eyes. Like we were all raised of like the U S dollars, U S dollars, the strongest thing in the world. Like, how could you ever talk bad about the U S dollar? Like what? Like, that's not, that's so un-American of you. Um, and now I think the world is, a, is, is being really awakened to, okay, like look at the value of the dollar in the last decade, last two decades. And wow, it doesn't look like it did 20, 30 years ago, right? The strength isn't there, the value of it. And um, so now when you talk about, you know, the rumors and I mean, I think we probably all agree that the US dollar is on the track of losing world reserve currency, right? So, I mean, you have more you have more signs of that and showing folks. And so I think by being able to present those big level pictures to folks to say, Hey, look, you need a, you need an alternative to this. And that is like the lady at the bar, the 35 year banker. This is a, like when I, I, when I orange people, this is a really easy thing and also easy concept. And it's um, it gets people to really get their feet wet because I tell them, I go, look, all right, well, let's, you want to pin holes in, in Bitcoin that's fine. You may not agree with the concept hundred percent, but give me an alternative, right? Like, and I shift that on back on people. I go, I go Susie banker of 35 years. I go, okay. In the event, the U S dollar doesn't do what you believe it's going to do. What are the alternatives? And is it going to be too late to jump into it after the fact, right? Like, you know, we talk about gold and we talk about, right. You know, it's like, okay, well, tell me why you believe in gold and why don't you believe in Bitcoin? Right. And so I, I, I put it back to them. Right. And it's, so it makes a, that, that's how I like to present it. It's a, I've orange pilled a lot of folks just on that simple statement, like show me something better because I haven't had anybody tell me or prove or show me anything that's been better than Bitcoin. So we can sit here and talk about all the things, how great Bitcoin is. Um, but show me something better. Like, and they're like, uh, uh, well, like I've got this 0.05% APY high interest savings account at, chase that's going to save me when i'm 65 right like not so yeah that'd be my pitch i i dig that i mean i need to unpack chris's story because that is the most fiat mentality i've ever heard to brag about how much money you spent dude i was i was literally raised to brag about how much money i saved buying something nice or expensive so that i was primed and ready to be a bitcoiner from long before satoshi ever thought of it um eric i want to ask you the world as you mentioned has been giving us free marketing i'm a big believer in all press is good press as we see the world uh, essentially adopt bitcoin whether or not it whether or not the world realizes that it is adopting bitcoin um how do you feel about the stage that bitcoin is on right now um we're long removed from 10 years ago when Bitcoin was in the dark web or long removed yeah. from the COVID days of it's a hedge against inflation, we're really seeing it be freedom money. What are your sort of thoughts and your feelings on it right now? Yeah, I think the one of the, one of the thing I'm watching probably the closest right now, which I think probably most Bitcoiners are not wanting to talk about a lot is really the decisions of these exchanges. Mm. Um, I think they're an extremely, extremely hard place right now. And as you have regulators coming in, right. And I tweeted about this too, like, you know, you've got regulators who the, if you're an exchange, you want to be friends with these guys. Like you're not giving these guys the middle finger at the end of the day, because they could make things very, very difficult for you. Um, however, you, your customer base is one that is of decentralization. 
and is of one that, hey, we want to be sovereign individuals. And we don't want the government saying that you can screw around with our money, with our wallets, with our transactions and so on and so on. Right. And so if you're, you know, yeah, if you're if you're CEO of an exchange right now, you are I think you're on some very monumental decisions. You're, you're going to you're going to be faced with making some of the hardest decisions I think you've had to make in the last decade um, because, you know, it's going to be, you know, I think the level of competition when you look at the major exchanges and if if one gives into a country and one doesn't, um, I, you know, I don't know. I think there's going to be some division there, um, of course, naturally, but I, there's going to be a lot of FUD around that as well. You know, I, I know a true Bitcoiner, right? It's, you know, we, we want to take our, our money off the exchanges, right? And we want to own that. And, um, and I think that's, that there's, there's a lot of growth in that world of, of storing it on your own. But it's still, nonetheless, as far as Bitcoin comes from a marketing, from, a, from in your feed, from the FUD, from the news, from reactions around the world, uh, I think we're uh, that that's what I'm watching very closely. It is very powerful. Um, again, like we said, of what's happening in um, uh, what, what's happening with Ukraine and Russia and in one end. And like Natalie Brunel, she said today, too, like, you know, Bitcoin is, is kind of like a knife. Right. And uh, what, at one side, a surgeon can be using it. Another guy, you know, someone could be killing you with it. Right. It doesn't make it doesn't make the knife necessarily a bad thing. Right. It's a it's a useful tool. So um, I think it's. Um, you know, I, I, that's, that's what I'm watching really closely right now. Um, and, and, and again, like it, it is becoming the best use case for us. I think you bring up like such a heavy and valid point. We discussed this uh, with Stefan as well, but, you know, the idea of Bitcoin to me really comes down to the fact that it is decentralized. It's no one's able to stop a transaction and no one's able to force a, a transaction that you don't want. Right. However, the introduction of these exchanges creates a centralized entity that now says, hey, we actually do control the transaction of this Bitcoin. And as you see more and more of these introduced, you almost lose a little bit of that decentralization. And it's like this trade-off of, well, we need more ways to transact Bitcoins. We need it to be more accessible for people who maybe aren't as technologically adapted, know how to peer-to-peer -peer exchange. Sorry, I'll admit it. Um, but like, it, it's this sort of uncomfortable situation we're in. Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I don't think like I, I, when you talk about a, a non-corner, right? Like I think most of us probably have some type of history too in like in trading regular stocks. So when they come and they look at Bitcoin, their mentality is it needs to live on an exchange. Like that's how you've lived your whole life. Like, I, like what do you mean I could take this asset off of an exchange and own it? Like that's, that's foreign to me. Like I've, right. what? Like, so when you're in that, so now, as far as I think the media is concerned, you know, the exchanges is Bitcoin, like, you know, and so when there's, when there's news and there's FUD around regulation, they go to, that's where they go to, because they have to go somewhere to put them in the spotlight, right? So it's, you know, what's Binance doing? What's Gemini doing? Um, how are they reacting? Uh, Coinbase, right? And so when you see these interviews, so Bitcoin gets correlated to these centralized exchanges, unfortunately, right? And so I think, and that's where you're going to see a lot of investors, a lot of, a lot of retail investors will react to that, right? Because that's all they see. They just get pumped in their feeds, um, you know, and that's how it's going to be affected. So you, we've seen like some really cool stories of people fleeing and, and putting their money in. And that's what really needs to be put out there, right? Like this is the power of it. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, too, there's a, there's a ton of correlation between, between this, right? So I think if you see a major exchange start regulating their users in a very like, in a very centralized way, like they like they can do, I think people are going to look at it like, oh well, that's that's look at Bitcoin being manipulated and controlled. 
And so I think as Bitcoiners, like that's our mission and challenge is to overcome that. Like, hey, listen, that's a, that's that's an intermediary. That's a third party. That's not part of the whole scope here. Though. Yeah, I mean, it is a it is a weird weird situation. I think Bitcoin finds itself, and I would I would put what the situation the exchanges. I'm sorry, not Bitcoin, but the exchanges find themselves in. Yeah. It's no different, frankly, than what was presented to GoFundMe by the Canadian government. Yeah. Exactly. They, they literally said the same thing. And it was, I think it comes down to the fact and the principles that Bitcoin was founded on that gave those CEOs, I think, the conviction to say, no, like that's not how this works. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like you have, you have to sit in bed with these regulators. You got to wine and dine them because otherwise you're not really going to make money on the business that it took you years and years to build up. I am curious to hear your thoughts on maybe. A different approach. What would you have done if you were the CEO of Kraken? Like in, in what way? Of like, would you have would you have shut anything down? Would you have restricted certain things? Would you just let let it live the way it's currently living right now? Would you have re- if you were running an exchange that operated yep. in Eastern Europe? What would what would your steps be? Yeah, it's so tough. I, I, that's where I, I really struggle with. Love like in a real world. Like it's easy for us to say no, I would never do anything. And I would put up the walls and I'd say, you know, um, it's so tough um, because these guys behind, behind closed doors, these exchanges are, they're meeting with regulators all the time and they're being looked at with, you know, a massive magnifying glass of, of what's happening. So, um, but I think, you know, if you're going to come out and make a stance, um, you have to, you've got to be true to yourself. Right. Uh, but at the, at the same time too, I look at a lot of these exchanges, like, look, you know, they're making, they're making their money from shit coins in, in most cases, right? Like their exchanges and transactions and like, so that's their bread and butter. So you've got to look at that and say, Hey, are you going to tell, are they going to shut down their business because they're going to stand on principle? Oof, that's a, put that, put somebody on stage at the Bitcoin conference, asking that, right? Like, <laughs> you know, are you willing to lose out on a whole lot of transactions because you believe in, you know, sovereignty and, and giving that to your customers? I mean, it's easy to say it's, 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 it's easy to go on Twitter and say, we stand for freedom and we would uh, we give hundred percent access to it. And then, you know, and then the regulators like, Hey, guess what? You know, that office you, you have in New York city, like, yeah, we just seized that. Um, and uh, yeah, your power's off and thanks for contributing um, all this. So it's, that's such a tough question. Um, I would hate, I would really hate to be in that spot. Um, but, you know, I think, and I think the people, if you come out and you can be true to, you can be true to, true to Bitcoin to stand up for that, I think they'll win. I think they'll win the long game of that. Um, the short game is they're going to get, they're gonna, they'll get crushed, right? They'll, they'll get crushed because they, they live off these two, 3% little transaction fees um, happening tens of thousands of times an hour. So you'll lose that. But I think playing the long game of life, if you're true, if, if you're true to your people, like they're the ones that are going to take care of you. So I think even if you're true to the long game of Bitcoin, Bitcoin's yeah. not for the short-term gains. It yeah. gains. It's for the long-term uh, change, if you will. I want to ask you, you, you touch a little bit, honestly, all you did was say the word energy, but then it triggered in my mind, oh, actually, we haven't really talked energy FUD. And there's a lot of conversation going on right now about what to do with energy. How are we going to be accessing energy? What is going to be used for it? Um, first, I just want to get your thoughts on that of, you know, Gas price, I think barrel of oil just broke 120 last I yeah. checked. So we are we are entering a very scary period, I think, in the oil markets, as well as just how do we as a society transition with energy? 
We hear all the FUD get thrown around with Bitcoin energy as well. So if you want to tie that into the to your answer, I'll allow it. But if you don't, no harm. <laughs> well, I appreciate the uh, the open. The There's no, no, you are being scored on this interview. Yeah, okay, good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, I hope there's a multiple choice questionnaire at the end as well that that um, Chris is going to give me for you. So I look forward to that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's part of me as well thinks about like, you know, I, it's like the powers that be and who they are, who knows where they are, who, who their powers that be are, right? But I almost think like we're setting, we're, we're like setting the media and the narrative around already, around the energy FUD to, to, to talk about like, hey, look, we know maybe five, 10 years from now, this whole Bitcoin thing is going to be like probably a lot bigger. So let's start, start starting the groundwork of these energy issues and like supply and import export and who's buying what from where. Right. And like, let's start instilling in the mind of everybody. Like there are energy issues that we should be worried about like today, like things are going to happen. Right. So part of me from a Bitcoiner thinks of it almost in that way to some, to some degree and respect, but you know, when you really dive into it, and there's some intelligent, super intelligent people and companies out there doing phenomenal things when it comes around energy and, and um, mining and how, you know, they're effectively improving grids. And now you've got cities and legislators, legislators that are offering major tax credits to Bitcoin mining companies coming in and because they're seeing the effects of it in, in, in real world. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's um, it, it's something that it, it's FUD, like, and it's something easy, I think, for everybody to. Um, to grab onto. I mean, you look at Tesla, right? Like they get hit with the same uh, FUD in so many ways. And, you know, that's like the, that's like the knee jerk reaction for a politician or for anybody to say like, no, can't have it. No good. It uses power and energy. Like we want a green planet, like cancel it. So I think, you know, in a world of, you know, of the internet today that we live in, I think most people are, are educated enough to, to see past that. So I don't know if that's going to be like the, um, you know, the Achilles heel necessarily of Bitcoin, but I think I think Bitcoin's going to have to fight that for a long time. What is your conversation around FUD? Like when someone pushes back talking about Bitcoin FUD specific to energy, what are sort of the, the points that you counter with? My favorite, for example, is how much energy does it actually cost to maintain every single ATM in this country? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the argument. And it's uh, like I go back to the lady at the bar talking to her, you know, and it's like, um, when I look out to the skyline of, uh, of my city, I see like this really, really 60 floor tower. Right. And it's got a bank of America or actually Wells Fargo logo on it. Right. And I'm like, dude, that thing takes some freaking power. And, um, you know, and it, and it goes back to just like, I mean, I use that as, as a, my orange pill kind of pitch as well. It's like, Hey, look, what if you took that, all that money that it took to power that and all the energy and you were able to distribute that to your, to the people. Like, right. Like we're all buying a piece of that building in theory by giving them like putting money in our savings account with them. You know, they're giving us 0.05% on it and they're leveraging it and they're leveraging it 500,000 different ways and uh, being able to power that. Right. So I think when you take that perspective of like, yeah, look how much money is being used, right. ATMs, all these different merchant services, everything. Um, and it's, it's new skyscrapers. I just saw there's a massive here in the Southeast. If you're familiar with Truist, like you saw that merger, and now like they're putting up, I think they just put up another new skyscraper in Atlanta. And yeah, we're talking like you could build, you could power a city with these things. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't dwell on it too much. I think a lot of it is FUD, but I do kind of like, yeah, along the same talk track of um, let's, let's consider really what, you know, the alternative is using. 
Yeah. And I, I think that's some really good points, Eric. And uh, I even going along the same theory of like energy waste. I like to talk to people being an engineer myself, um, talking to people about, oh, like, you know, we're wasting energy. It needs to be green in the United States. When we do that, like I tell them the game theory of that, we're basically just pushing energy consumption either to China and Russia, and then they just ship it over to us. I mean, right now in the midst of the whole crisis with uh, Russia, Ukraine, we still need to buy oil from Russia to prevent gas prices from going higher than they already are going. So it's kind of like we're caught between a rock and a hard place. I know Q's based in California, and right now they're shutting down a bunch of nuclear reactors and a couple other things. Uh, I, I don't even, do you have uh, hydropower as well, Q, that you're having issues because of droughts? Yeah, I thought so in California. So when people say, oh, you're wasting too much energy, it's too bad. It's like, all right, well, you might as well, just, if you're a politician, go to your constituents and just say, all right, for half of you guys, you can't use power on Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. And then yeah. the other half of you guys can't use power Tuesday, Thursday, you know, and the, the remain the other days, basically. Uh, because, you know, while everyone wants to say, oh, we need to stop using power, we need to stop using power. It's like, when you go to someone and say, oh, yeah, they're not allowed to use power at their house. Well, it's like, well, then what are they supposed to do for the, the, the time? It's just, it's very funny. We find ways to say that this is clean and this is bad. But by doing so, we just push it to other parts of the world where they use coal or uh, get, uh, pull out more gasoline and then import it to the United States. So it's this whole, uh, I'd call it the financialization of markets. I guess if there's any comment you want to talk about, the financialization of markets or the games that we play with money of the US dollar or energy markets here and abroad. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it is really interesting. I, I mean, I think we, there's a, there's a point to where I think too, like we have to accept as a, like here in the US, like I think we're so, I think of what we know and what we see is such almost a facade, right? Like, I think like, I always laugh, like, I'm like, you really think you know what's going on, right? Like you, like you, you, you turn on the news and you think that is like, that came right out of the white house. Like, and this is, <laughs> we're repeating that. So there comes a, there comes a point where I feel like I start to personally shut off a little bit where I'm like, dude, it's so much freaking deeper. Like, you know, you, you listen to, uh, you know, I love Jason Lowry, you know, the space force guy, you know, and you know, when he kind of like, there's things he can't say and he insinuates where it's like, you don't really know how close we've been to world war three. Like the, the average citizen here, like he's like, yeah, there, there may have been a drone. We flew over some airspace and things that kind of, uh, you know, that could have really started a new conflict that we had no clue. And we're, you know, we're at home, you know, just eating spaghetti and living, living happy. But um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I think uh, I, I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, I, it's, it's there for sure. Yeah. I mean, look, I forced, I literally forced Chris to sit down in Nashville, taped his eyes open and <laughs> made him watch. Uh, don't look up. And it, it perfectly encapsulates what you are saying, regardless of how you feel about the movie or its stance or whatnot. It does an excellent job of, of discussing the information that is actually shared to the public versus what is being held back and the way people people making those decisions on what information gets shared or what information uh, is held back, they it's all rooted in psychology. It's all this, yeah. we can't really tell people that we accidentally flew a drone in the wrong zone and we may or may not be entering a global conflict as a result, because if it doesn't happen, then the panic and pandemonium that was yeah. caused was for nothing. The next time, if it's real, no one believes us et cetera, et cetera. The, the laundry list of reasons and rationales go on. And to, Q, can to I stop you? Stop me. When you coughed, that looked like a straight bong hit. Like when you, 
Like, how you know? Like, I just. <laughs> Dude, I'm gonna be real with you. I don't know how, but I can't find weed in Mexico right now. That's it's ridiculous. I feel like that would be easy. That's what I'm saying. Although, okay, in fairness, some guy tried to charge me like a hundred bucks for something that was worth like forty last night. I was like, "All right, dude, I get it. I'm not Mexican, but like, I get weed enough. Yes, I will bring it back. But like, valid, valid call out. Um, The cough (laughs) is honestly probably because I haven't smoked. But anyways, um, sorry. Your point, Chris, about just like the California draft. Out and the idea of a politician saying, hey, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you guys have power, whatever, the rest of the week, the, the other constituents have power. Dude, in, in LA, I think it was in 2015, right after I graduated college, I just aged myself very quickly. Um, I remember moving back home and my parents and I having this discussion on like, hey, so the city of LA is in a drought. We actually have to like put in an application because you didn't live at home last year. So our water usage was a certain level, but now we have increased the total members of the household. So automatically the water usage is just going to go up regardless of if we put in effort or not. You have three people instead of two, you have 50% more showers, 50% more laundry. I don't need to do the math for you guys there. Um, so we literally had to apply to be able to use water, more water, just so I can bathe myself, just so I can shave. Part of the reason why I grew out the beard, I was like, I can't waste this water on on shaving. So we'll go, we'll go full beard. And I can't you, afford to go to the grocery store to buy shaving cream, so that's why I'm letting it out. <laughs> Gas I mean, prices too high. We we joke. Well, like, I'm deathly afraid of going back to LA right now and filling up a tank of gas that's going to at minimum be six dollars a gallon. Yeah. And to Chris's point, like all we do is is push the push the problem from our our place in our line of vision. We just lift the rug and, and sweep it. We sweep it under and act as though okay, well, if it's not a problem on our soil, it, it's not our problem to deal with. We're fucking ourselves right now. I'm sorry that I keep swearing, Alex, but it, it's a valid use of, of the F word in that instance. Um, yeah. Russia did not sit out the OPEC plus meeting. They literally were invited. We're still welcome. And they sat at the table with all the OPEC countries to decide how much that global um, mafia, if you will, is going to charge the rest of the world for the right to use gas, the right to use energy, the right to drive your car. Well, I, I definitely think I disagree with the two of you on this. And I'd love to actually have this conversation for maybe the last eight minutes. Uh, I think that our dependence on oil has led us to this point. I do think it's almost like that unfortunate moment where an addict is like, I just need one more bump and then I'll, then I'm going to quit just that last little bump. And then I'm going to quit. Um, I absolutely agree that we need, we need an influx of oil and very quickly, we just need to open up the, the reserves, get the price of oil down to well below a hundred dollars a barrel. I can't believe that I have to beg and ask to get oil down to less than a hundred dollars a barrel. However, what I don't want I don't want to be back in this situation ever again. I said this back in 2008 when oil went all the way up. And I remember having a conversation with my dad back then saying like, it won't be like this when I'm a kid, like they'll figure it out. Right. Like there'll be an electric car for everyone. And, you know, using and charging your electric car isn't going to cost as much gas or isn't going to use gas on the back end and then turn around and make you think, oh, well, I'm being helpful to the environment. Meanwhile, I just killed more rocks, more minerals and and more precious metals 
to build out this battery I'm using. And I still use as much, if not even more oil just to use the electricity because the electricity grid that we're on uses it as such. I'm a big fan of, and this is, this is absurd and crazy. Um, do you guys ever watch Futurama? No, but- you know, the idea of new New York, which was literally just built on top of the New York we have now. And it was like, that is the future city of New York, the future city, all of it is built like that. Uh, I'm ready. I'm literally ready for a politician to run on the stance of we are going to build new New York. There's going to be a giant car. Everyone's going to be kicked out of New York for, okay, New York construction takes a while. But I'm going to say 12 months and it's going to take 12 years, but ideally 12 months, everyone will be taken care of for those 12 months and we're going to build new New York and it will actually be properly gridded because that's the issue I think is that our energy infrastructure that's already maintained and built is causing us to come up against this wall time and time again. And all we're doing is we're behaving like this addict who's like, well, just give me, just open the floodgates. Like, let me, let me bathe in some oil for a little bit. And I promise this is the last time. This is the last time. But I'd love your guys' thoughts on that. Eric, you want me to take this or you want, you want to start? Uh, yeah, you, go Chris. I'll, I'll, I'll be, uh, I'm open to hearing what you have to say. All right. Well, uh, my thing is if we really want to be energy independent, this is just my personal belief and kind of what I know. Uh, we definitely nuclear needs to be in in the discussion for sure. Uh, part of the reason that it is not in the discussion is uh, obviously, I, I, like obviously we've heard of the Chernobyl incident and there's been various incidents like Three Mile Island where the reactor meltdown and stuff like that. Uh, Three Mile Island, I think was blown a little bit out of proportions. I mean, the reactor did melt down, but no one was harmed and the radiation was actually contained. The, the, when the reactor melted down, it did what it was supposed to do. Uh, and there was not uh, this a mass of ecological damage that they had. Chernobyl is a different case. Uh, yes, there was damage. Yes, it was very bad. Um, and it was, uh, I don't know if you've seen the HBO show, but it was due to like bureaucratic negligence and just kind of, um, I, I don't want to bash the Russians too much. They've, they're getting a lot already, but they were kind of like, this is impossible. This could never happen. And it's kind of like the Challenger explosion. Like all the engineers that worked on that thought that was impossible. But the night before there was a record level uh, cold in Florida, which had never happened before. And that caused ultimately the explosion because of a faulty gasket. Um, so my thing is we need to be more proactive in nuclear, but to Q's point, it's kind of like the, the drug addict that wants the last hit. There's a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of money in oil and gas and seeing a competitor come up through the ranks. We've talked about this before. They kind of use the strong arm of the U.S. government to prevent, uh, to use their monopolistic powers to squash energy competition. Um, I don't see solar and wind as ways to replace it. Um, I think that they have flaws and even nuclear has its own flaws. But being on a nuclear, the energy density of nuclear is much greater than that of gasoline and even the uh, the, the fatalities per thousand workers or, or per thousand hours is much, much smaller compared to any other energy, whether it's coal, whether it's gas, whether it's wind, whether it's solar, all of those nuclear is by far the best. Yes. When things go wrong, it can go catastrophic, but there's a many self, uh, fail safes in place to prevent that from happening. Uh, now I'll push it over to you, Eric. And then unfortunately we got to wrap this segment in the next couple minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and you said it just, the man per hour to produce nuclear is less. Is that, is that what you said? Uh, the, the fatality. So it's, it's uh, fatality per uh, hours of, of operation or injuries. So it's, it's safer is what I'm trying to get at. It's, it's safer. It causes less dar- damage to humans, the environment, and all of those are lumped together in terms of uh, damage, basically. 
I think it's per million hours is normally what they use. So no, uh, injuries or, or incidents per million hours. Yeah, no, I like it. Uh, I mean, I think a big kind of a, a, the knee jerk quick response for me is, you know, we need more oil pipes and less crack pipes. And, you know, we, you know, when you see $30 million we're spending on more crack pipes and we've got like real issues here. Um, and I think it's so like, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. How much money is in oil and gas, right? And, and it's politically going to be leveraged till, till we all die. And so, I mean, but for the sake of sake of the argument and, go, you know, in countries limiting exports and us putting sanctions on, like, we've got to be able to be sovereign, sovereign, you know, like, and so like, if there's a Bitcoin version of oil, um, like we need to like, we need to embrace that. And if that's on our own land, I mean, that's where I believe like, Hey, we need to be able to produce it and defend it. Um, because then if we don't, we don't really, we don't really own it. So, um, yeah, that's my quick, uh, quick recap on that. I will, I will leave you with this tidbit to chew on Eric, but I believe that the oil of Bitcoin is the internet. Oh, oh, drop, drop it. Woo. On that note, use code YTMAG, get 10% off of your Bitcoin 22 tickets. Come smoke a joint with me. Come have a drink with Eric. Go volunteer at Gemini's booth so that they'll sneakily give you a job. We are 30 days out. We are 30 days out. At this point, we are in the final countdown. Final countdown. You got to go clothes uh, shopping. I got to, no shirts for Q, right? No, uh, Hawaiian shirts only. It's uh, honestly, I'm never going back. Um, but yeah, so I, 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 I fit that point in my life. Not today. I'm not representing that, but I feel like, yeah, it's not, it's been kind of cold here. So yeah, when it's warm out, like I'm at the point floral shirts is that's where I'm at. I'm, and I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm going to say something. It's going to, I don't know if I don't, I genuinely don't know what the weather was like in North Carolina, but also it's really cold in LA right now. It's like, it's 85 degrees outside here in Cancun. Like um, I'm loving it. Um, in LA, it's like, 60 so cold <laughs> it's brutal. so cold that's brutal <laughs> yeah um use code ytmag you're not going to want to miss this conference the fomo is going to be so real you will actually be kicking yourself like literally you're going to figure out a way to, to have your leg go all the way back and kick you in the butt that's what you should do with all the free time you have by not being at the conference um, Eric, I want to give you the opportunity to tell people where to find you, where to buy that awesome hat, or just, uh, give you sort of a, a soapbox before we cut to a commercial break. Uh, this is probably where I make a joke about being at Hughes mom's house, but I won't make that joke. Uh, you can find me there Monday through Friday. Uh, but, uh, it's the Eric Norris on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, so we unofficially officially run the largest, uh, Bitcoin merch shop in the world so we're just taking that like we own it like nobody can compete with us just because nobody has tried so we're just owning that um but yeah i mean we're just here to have a good time <laughs> so check out going parabolic or if you want to go for the second biggest merch store for bitcoin go to bitcoinmagazine.com store and use code ytmag there as well yep. 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 Yep.